This is Dr. August Kunkel in his teaching on the book of Proverbs. This is session number 11, Proverbs of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 to chapter 22, verse 16. Welcome to a Proverbs lecture. We have spent 10 lectures on the book of Proverbs, essentially looking at the introduction, uh, Proverbs chapters 1 through 9. Uh, this is an instruction section of Proverbs in which the parent is telling the child about the lessons for life that they need to know, essentially the values that they need to hold in order to make right decisions, in order to learn wisdom. Now we come to the section of Proverbs from 10 to 31 that are actually collections of Proverbs. Uh, there are several of these collections and they contain hundreds of Proverbs. The first uh, collection of these Proverbs is called simply the Proverbs of Solomon. And it extends from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1 to 22:16. And in this section, uh, what we have is uh, 375 Proverbs, which we are going to talk about in a minute. The entire book, of course, is actually ascribed to Solomon, uh, and probably these collections are the earliest of the Proverbs. It seems from the way in which Proverbs is structured that the instruction section, which we looked at in Proverbs 1 to 9, was added to these collections of Proverbs in order to orient the reader and prepare the reader for the many sayings which are to follow and the way in which they are to be understood, and the values which are to be learned from them. Now, this long section is generally divided into two. It is divided at the end of the 15th chapter of the book of Proverbs, mainly on the basis of proverbial style. Proverbs are poetry. We're going to talk a little bit more about Hebrew poetry, but the proverbial sayings generally are in pairs. They're in two lines, uh, sometimes referred to as line A and line B. So Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, for example, says, A wise son makes a glad father, a foolish son makes a sad mother. Uh, so, what you have then is the two lines, uh, one focusing on the father, the other focusing on the mother, and then describing one as glad, and then one as sad. Uh, now, these two lines actually complement each other. They more or less say the same thing, that a wise son makes happy parents, but it's expressed in what we call an antithesis. Uh, we'll illustrate this a little bit more later on. But the distinction of the first 
chapters of the uh, collection of Solomon is that they are antithetical, all the way to the end of chapter 15. Uh, then after that, there are various topics that are discussed in Proverbs, uh, though kingship does tend to surface in all of the collections, no doubt because the collections of the Proverbs had something to do with the scribes who were associated with the court of the king, which is why in Proverbs 25 verse 1, uh, we have the notation that these were the Proverbs that were collected in the court at the time of Hezekiah. So kingship, of course, is a topic important to everyone, both those who are governed by the king as well as the king himself. So uh, what we have then is sayings as we have discussed them, uh, sayings that not, are not always clear as to what they might intend, and sayings that can be applied in different ways. Um, these are always sayings that are from observation. Uh, but they aren't the observation that is the kind of thing that we do in science as a sort of an empirical investigation as to what causes cause and what causes effect. Uh, rather, uh, these sayings are all somewhat more generic than that. Uh, they are just observations of human behavior and often observations of human behavior um, that have analogies to other uh, kinds of consequences that can happen when an action takes place. Now, we need to be careful with these analogies because they always draw on one particular aspect of the comparison. Uh, if uh, I may use a very simple kind of metaphor, uh, we often say in the English language, the ship plows through the water. Now, a ship does not look like a plow. Uh, there's really not much way of thinking of what similarity there is between a ship and a plow. Uh, my father asked about a metaphor one time, and uh, so I used that illustration. I said, so think about a ship and think about a plow, and what would be the one thing that might be similar between the two? Now, my father's never seen a ship. He grew up in the prairies. But what he had seen was motorboats. And when you drive a motorboat through the water, you leave a wake behind, and it looks like kind of a furrow. And so he said, oh, he said, yeah, I guess if a plow leaves a furrow behind, and a ship uh, leaves a, a kind of a wake behind it, and so a ship is plowing through the water. Well, now that's a perfectly sensible analogy. Except, of course, it doesn't quite pertain to a ship, because any engineer of a ship who has any sense of pride, whatever, is going to be mighty embarrassed if there's a big hollow wake following his ship. It means that it's got an enormous amount of drag, and that it's a very inefficient ship. Uh, what it's got to do is cut through the water at the front like the coulter on a plow, not leave a big furrow behind. And so we say the ship plows through the water, normally meaning that the bow of the ship is cutting through the waves the way the coulter does through the ground. But of course, it's not that my father's way of taking the metaphor was actually wrong. 
it's, it's just that he drew the point of analogy from a different kind of perspective. Now, we have to remember that Proverbs are like that, so that different ways can be taken as to how the analogy fits, and they aren't necessarily right or wrong. I do sometimes smile. Uh, when uh, I find people reading Proverbs and kind of trying to exegete them the way we do in uh, a narrative or the way we might do with the teaching of Moses to, to, to find out what the grammar is and, the, and everything else. Now, of course, you do have to do some of that with Proverbs, but the main point is not in the exegeting of the proverb. It's the, the thinking about the way in which the analogy was intended by the speaker when they made it. Uh, so, uh, to use an example from Proverbs, grasshoppers have no king, but they all go out in army-type units. Uh, so, uh, it's an analogy that's actually rather fitting, because I'm from the prairies and I've seen grasshoppers. And, and, and literally, they can change the color of a field, because there's so many of them. And then they all take off, but when they take off, they never bump into each other. They actually go very orderly. And how they have enough brains to know that all of them are supposed to take this path and not another path, and they never crash into each other when, when they're millimeters apart from each other, I don't know. They're an army without ever having trained as a soldier, so far as I know. Uh, now, uh, some proverbs are popular kinds of sayings. And so we'll just take a couple of examples here from the book of Proverbs itself. A thorn bush in the hand of a drunk and a proverb in the mouth of a fool. <coughs> now, what is that supposed to mean? Well, if a drunk has a, 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 an implement that could cause damage the chances are that he's going to use it in a harmful way. And fools may use analogies, but may not use them to be helpful. They'll use them in a very hurtful way. Uh, sometimes, of course, uh, sayings and slogans uh, are meant to insult uh, or to sneer. Uh, one of the ones that I've observed in Samuel, just because it divides the book of 1 Samuel so sharply around the story of Saul, is found in 1 Samuel 10, 12, and is found again in 1 Samuel 19. Is Saul among the prophets? Now that's a sneer. Uh, but it's also so appropriate in the book of Samuel, because when Saul is first chosen to be king, he is met by a band of prophets, and he seems to share some of the characteristics of these prophets. And so you might wonder, well, who is this guy, Saul? And then he becomes king, and then he goes somewhat mad. Uh, he gets incensed at David, and he does the most irrational things, um, in, including uh, the disparaging of his own son, uh, simply because uh, his son won't betray David to him. And in the end, he is met by this band of prophets and he lay, ends up uh, with their characteristic ec ecstatic kind of behavior, uh, disrobed and stripped uh, 
And it's clear that, that this is just a, a shame. It's a sham. Uh, so Saul, at the end of his, uh, at the, at, at the end of his legitimate reign is showing who he really is. He's, he's, he's just a fraud. He doesn't follow God at all. Uh, is Saul among the prophets? That's a sneer. Uh, let not him who girds the sword boast like him who takes it off. That's a provocation. Now, here is a story from Kings in which the uh, belligerent king of the south was uh, challenging the uh, king of the north. And uh, the, the, there, of course, was no contest between these two kings. Uh, and it was absolutely absurd that this southern king should be boasting about his uh, army powers. And the answer to his challenge is, not not him who takes up the sword most like him who takes it off. Uh, the, the end result is not going to be good for you. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are blurred, blunted. Uh, we've already discussed that one. To Jesus, physician, heal thyself. It's ridicule. You aren't really who you say you are. There's reports of what you did over there in Capernaum, but you aren't doing anything here. Uh, well, some of them, one of the more recent modern ones that... Uh, uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, annoyed me and, and, and sometimes I found kind of, kind of humorous was the notion, defund the police. Uh, of course, if we're in our country, we know what that referred to. It referred to the fact that, uh, a certain minority of, uh, people, uh, of a certain color were always being uh, unfairly treated by the police and what needed to happen was that funding was taken away from the police and money given for other causes. But of course we all know that we need policemen <laughs> and here in Canada where I live <laughs> when the truck convoy reached Ottawa nobody was saying defund the police. In fact they couldn't find enough police all of a sudden because uh, they needed more of them. So uh, we're going to look at um, the uh, uh, Proverbs uh, of uh, Solomon and at the uh, uh, 375 Proverbs of Solomon, which begin here in chapter 10. Let me just say a word, though, about why there are 375. Uh, the number 375 has to do with Solomon's name. The Hebrew numerical system is a decimal system, just like uh, ours is, uh, but they use their letters to uh, indicate numbers. And so the first letter of the alphabet indicates one, and uh, then you go up to ten, which is the tenth letter of, of uh, the alphabet, and that means uh, ten. And then, of course, the next letter in the alphabet means twenty, and the next means uh, 30. Uh, so, when you have the name of Solomon, you can give it a uh, numerical number. And in Hebrew, this is a shin, sha, la, ma, a. This number, this letter value is 300. This one is 30. Uh, this one is 40. 
And this one is 5. And so your total is 375. Now, this kind of association between numbers and words is, is not uncommon, but it's very clear that here in the book of Proverbs, somebody very deliberately was making an association between the authorship of Solomon and the collection of the Proverbs by bringing together a collection of exactly 375 Proverbs. We're going to look at the first of these in Proverbs chapter 10, where we have uh, Proverbs on wealth. Uh, so uh, we'll take the time to just uh, read a translation of these. Uh, wise a child makes proud parents, but a foolish child brings grief. Uh, character delivers from trouble rather than wealth. God satisfies desires but frustrates greed. I'm giving paraphrases of the meaning of the proverb here. Uh, deceit leads to poverty, but diligence leads to wealth. Diligence brings success, but sloth brings shame. Righteousness brings blessing, but wickedness conceals violence. Uh, now, in uh, the uh, Hebrew expression of these proverbs, uh, this uh, first set of uh, uh, six Proverbs here, form a kind of a unit. Uh, and then a second unit is formed by Proverbs on moral integrity. Righteousness leaves a legacy of blessing, but the name of the wicked stinks. Wise listen and learn, but foolish talk is dismissed. Integrity brings safety, but deceit brings discovery. Now this one in verse 10 is an example where sometimes we do text criticism in Proverbs because the last half of verse 10 uh, is identical to uh, the uh, last half of um, uh, verse 8. Uh, and, and so it seems kind of odd that uh, these should have absolutely identical wordings. And the other odd thing is that these Proverbs, as we shall note a little further, are antithetical, and this one is not in the Hebrew text. Now, we have another version of Proverbs that was preserved in a Greek translation. That Greek translation was not made from the same kind of Hebrew text as the one that has been preserved and has become official in the times after Christ. Uh, the one that we use uh, regularly in our time. Uh, but it can be valuable for seeing that there is a progression, and it is valuable in seeing that uh, sometimes there were uh, mistakes. And one of those mistakes is dithography. That is uh, copying an earlier line in a later line just because your eye fell to the wrong place. And that probably is what happened here. So if we look at the Greek translation of this particular proverb, one who corrects makes peace. Um, so perfidy, or the winking eye, brings peace, while the one who corrects brings pain, while the one who corrects makes peace. Perfidy, pain, correction, peace. Uh, righteous words are life, but speech of the wicked brings violence. Uh, so when we look at uh, the uh, structure here, uh, we see certain patterns. Uh, 
that we have uh, already pointed out. The lines are complementary, but often expressed in opposite terms. Uh, but we also see patterns of association. So Proverbs 2 and 3 deal with divine justice. Proverbs 4 to 6 uh, show the reward of diligence and the loss if you cheat. And Proverbs 10, 1 and 6 each have the subject of righteousness versus foolishness. Now, I need to point out here that some of these observations are not at all my own. Uh, the man who is recording uh, these uh, sessions knows much more about Proverbs, at least in some parts of it, than I do. And he is the one who made a study of the kind of patterns that one may find uh, in Proverbs. And uh, frankly, this has been stolen from Ted Hildebrand. And uh, I thought I'd better uh, acknowledge that. Uh, here, uh, just so that uh, it is clear that uh, I don't think that I'm fooling him. Uh, he's very well aware of uh, <laughs> these, these kinds of things. But uh, we do need to be careful about looking for these kinds of patterns in Proverbs. Uh, we don't know all of the ways in which these patterns were formulated. Sometimes they're more evident and we can see them uh, as we did here. But uh, sometimes uh, it's, it's not that clear, and, and, and we just need to take them as individual sayings. But that's a little bit of an introduction as to how these collections of Proverbs function. This is Dr. August Kunkel in his teaching on the book of Proverbs. This is session number 11, Proverbs of Solomon. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1, to chapter 22, verse 16. <music>